Welcome back to Casting Ads Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Will Harley, and I am joined today after a not-so-successful hunt, um, but maybe hopefully something else later on this year will will end up being a success from Don Winsberger. Um, if you'd like to say hello, Don, we, we, could, we could take some time for you to just say hi. Hello there. You know, there's a reason that the good Lord has made me a pastor and not an army sniper. <laughs> yes, you see, he he's he is not necessarily uh, um, able to go and make a 500-yard shot, which I'm sure he would love to tell you that story. Um, not many people can make 500-yard shots, but uh, uh, now we know for sure that that Don is is one of those that can't. Um, as we go on today, uh, just remember um, we are in October, and and if you haven't had an opportunity to know what October brings, uh, it, it brings an opportunity for Pastor Appreciation Month. That's what uh, they say October is, Pastor Appreciation I it was Month. What's that? I thought it's pheasant season. It's a national holiday out here in South Dakota. It is pheasant season as well, um, and so if you are in South Dakota and you want to take your pastor out pheasant hunting, I'm sure that would be a good pastor appreciation. Um, for those who are, are listening and, and would like to show their appreciation to their pastor in any other way, by all means, just say thank you um, for, for what they do to help bring God's Word to you. Um, but for today, today we're not going to be talking necessarily about, about pastor appreciation and the call. Um, that was sort of our little hiatus last week. Today, we, we continue on with the unaltered Augsburg Confession. We're going to be continuing our conversation looking at Article 3 and Article 21 of the Augsburg Confession. And so uh, for those who don't have it brought up on your screen or who are, aren't reading it, it's uh, talking about the person of Jesus and um, against the worship of the saints. And so we are, we're going to have some good stuff to talk about here today. I would recommend too, just uh, as as I'm just kind of perusing things through here too, that that maybe our people would take a quick look at uh, our this uh, yesterday's epistle lesson from Philippians chapter three, verses twelve through twenty-one. Um, actually, for, for, actually Philippians chapter two, verses one to eleven. Um, that beautiful, I, that beautiful. Actually, probably one of the actually that text contains two of probably the earliest confessions on Christ and who he is. Absolutely. Um, talking of the deity, right, of, yes. of our Lord. Um, good thing for us to, to take a look at. Um, it probably will be brought up in conversation, I am sure, uh, as we, we get to wrestle with this topic. Before we have an opportunity to do that, um, so here's a, a brief disclaimer. Uh, not everything that we say is always a reflection of our calling bodies or the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod in which we are a part. Uh, if there's something that is said that is offensive to you, um, you are an adult, you can turn us off. Um, if there's something you'd like to have a conversation with us about, please don't hesitate to to let us know. Yes, Don? I just remember you said something about Pastor Appreciation Month, and uh, uh, the last two weeks ago when we were together on podcast, we were talking about our Irish listeners. Once again, Jameson would be a great pastoral appreciation. I, but I digress. Take us from there, Pastor. Jameson would be good. Um, Middleton would be better. It's their reserve. Or or if you'd like to to just you know say that we're thinking of you, you can send harp. Um, that would work. <laughs> <laughs> or or what or, or what what even would be the pinnacle 
would be the Sinatra version of Jack Daniels, the Sinatra edition of Jack Daniels. There you go. You could do that. Or if you really were looking for us and, and wanted to make sure that we were well fed, you could send a Guinness so we could eat our beer. Um, that would be, <laughs> that would work as well. Uh, so as we, we go through, uh, let's not uh, try to get sidetracked. We want to talk about um, the author, perfecter of our faith, of course, um, the mediator, uh, Jesus Christ, and, and sort of talk about him, focus on him today, uh, more so than any other time uh, in our conversations as we look at the third and the 21st article of the unaltered Augsburg Confession. Um, so let's get some uh, um, travel music and we'll get into that topic. All right, so we're back for our topic for today. And, you know, I was just thinking, you know, with a lot of what's going on in in the world today, um, wouldn't it be an amazing free-for-all topic uh, for us to just sort of have a a good conversation before we we get into the the meat and the bones and the materials of what we have? Wouldn't it be just a good conversation to say, if you were a fly on Pence's head, what was the greatest thing— you heard in in that debate between <laughs> between the the vice president and the vice presidential candidate. <laughs> You're really, really, really trying to see to it that two district presidents start listening to our to our podcast, aren't you? <laughs> but how many how many times in <laughs> in all of this can you just say I could, I want to be a fly? <laughs> Yeah, in that I will fly to you. You are Beelzebub, the Lord of the Flies. Oh, it was amazing. I was I was listening to to some of the responses and everything after that whole entire podcast or uh, the presidential (laughs) debate. Some people were saying, you know, this was a this was a sign from from the Lord that that. (laughs) That uh, Pence was was from the devil because this fly was sitting on his head. <laughs> oh, that was good stuff. That was good uh, stuff. Um, what about to go back to the good old days of the Old Testament theocracy? There you go. God command, and therefore we did. Therefore yeah. we did it. Uh, but even though you know, even they didn't they didn't keep it very good, um, and and still needed to be corrected. So. All right. Well, let's talk about the Son of God. Um, you know, we are we're going through the Augsburg Confession and um, kind of looking at the chief articles, or, or not the chief article, but the chief articles that are are really the backbone of of what it is that that Lutheranism believes, preaches, teaches, um, especially as they are confronted with this opportunity to say what makes us different and the, different from the Catholic Church and yet the same, right, of the, the Catholic faith, the universal faith, uh, the historical faith. And so um, why don't you give us a, a, a jump in on, on talking about the Son of God, which is Article 3. Article 3, uh, again, uh, you know, it's kind of how... It, we last two weeks ago we talked about the chief article, the doctrine of justification, and you can't have the chief article without being straight on on scriptures on scriptures teaching of the Son of God. 
just going to, it's just pretty short here, what I have here. I'm just going to read here what it says. Uh, Our churches teach that the word that is the Son of God assumed the human nature in the womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary. So there are two natures, the divine and the human, inseparably joined in one person. There is one Christ, true God and true man, who was born of the Virgin Mary, truly suffered, was crucified, died, and was buried. He did this to reconcile the Father to us and to be a sacrifice, not only for original guilt, but also for all actual sins of mankind. He also descended into hell and truly rose again on the third day, afterward ascended into heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father. There he forever reigns and has dominion over all creatures. He sanctifies those who believe in him by sending the Holy Spirit into their hearts to rule, comfort, and make them alive. He defends them against the devil and the power of sin. The same Christ will openly come again to judge the living and the dead and so forth, according to the Apostles' Creed. Um, Once again, maybe to put it succinctly in how I teach this in confirmation class, and you have taught it this way too, Jesus, fully God, fully human, exactly the Savior that we need. Anything less, he is not our Savior. Yeah, and I I think that's an important distinction because— how many times have we heard in, in Christendom today, in, in the greater church, making Christ less? I mean, that's really really what, what's been going on. I know CPH, uh, a couple years ago, I think by now, has uh, put out a, a, a Bible study that corresponded with the book um, that, that dealt with something like the 12 persons of Christ, um, uh, which dealt with the, the 12 different ways that, that society and, the, and Christendom approach who Jesus is. Um, you know, you have like uh, uh, the teddy bear and you have, um, um, you know, the, the great role model. You have the, the good person. You have the, um, you know, the counselor. You have the cheerleader. You have, and it goes through all these different things. And, and really it ends up with, like you said, uh, at the very end of the book, that, that really he is the savior, um, and he needs to be uh, the Savior. He needs to be the only one and the one uh, who is everything for us. <clears throat> and so I think it's a, it's a timely thing for us to, to always consider um, who is Jesus. Uh, and I, I like, interestingly enough, the placement, right? Uh, we, we deal with who is God. Um, we deal with the, the, the fact that he is three persons in one, right? And then we don't talk about who is God the Father or, or who is the Holy Spirit. We go straight into... In the third article, this is Jesus. I mean, it's a masterful piece of how they arrange the artic- or the, the Augsburg Confession. We deal with, here's God, here's original sin, and, and we're instantly going to talk about Jesus. Instantly, we are going to talk about what we need to talk about. What, what's interesting to note with this, too, is that at the writing of the Augsburg Confession and all of the Book of Concord, really, the article on Jesus isn't a point of contention. It is actually a point of agreement um among among Lutherans, Catholics, and then the later tailenders who came in to swipe our Reformation, um, the Reformed. Uh, and, but today, this is actually something that uh, that is it, it is an issue more uh, more than anything, because again, uh, that this 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 who is Jesus? Uh, because uh, uh, 
looking at uh, looking at Philippians two one to eleven, which I preached on this weekend. Uh, we look at a world today, and even the society in Paul's time, in Jesus' time. Uh, you looked at uh, Romans, Greeks, and they look at how Jesus and who Jesus was. When they would hear who Jesus is, fully God, fully human, um, God taking on human flesh, suffering and dying, um, and, and that this was just something they looked at and they, and they go, our Roman gods kicked tail all over him. Yeah. You know, our Roman gods are great and glorious and exert their power. And you look at their legend and so forth. Um, you Christians, you, you know, hey, if you're going to invent something, couldn't you have come up with something better than this? Well, isn't that the, and essentially that's the major problem with with even the Jews at the time, not just the Romans, but the Jews at the time said, said, you know, if if God is going to come down and and they believed in the Messiah, they believed in the coming of the Messiah, um, but they said if he's going to come down, he's going to be this grand and glorious warrior. He's going to be he's going to be the one who's going to liberate. He's going to be um, charismatic and 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 attract people. Um, and Jesus was just the exact opposite, right? We're, we're told in Isaiah that, that, the, that there was nothing appealing about him that would attract you to him. Uh, we are, we're told within the scriptures themselves that, that the people he associated with in the New Testament, right, the people he associated with was a turnoff to the majority of the, um, the, the political leaders and the spiritual leaders of, of, of Jesus' time uh, because he associated with sinners, um, he drew, uh, instead of the royalty in the upper echelon, what did he draw? He drew um, 12 nobodies, essentially, uh, who, who were going to become his disciples, and later the apostles sent out uh, less one. And, and, so, he, and he spent time among the tax collectors and the prostitutes. Absolutely. Uh, and, 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 well, going back to the gospel lesson, right, for this last Sunday— um, he had a whole entire sermon where he where he preaching to the Pharisees right before his crucifixion. He says, you know, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are going to enter the kingdom of, uh, of heaven ahead of you. Um, they, they understand what's going on. Um, and so we see this this weird character uh, and, and we'll call him that this weird character in Jesus that doesn't make a lot of sense. He just doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, C.S. C.S. Lewis, right, uh, in his Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis says, says you have to approach, everyone has to approach Jesus, and, and you really get um, um, three, right? Doesn't he say three? Yeah, yeah, I think he gives you three three different ways you can approach him. Liar, lunatic, and Lord. That's, that's what C.S. Lewis would say, that there's only really three ways you approach him. Liar, lunatic, and, and Lord. Um, and, and I would say the same thing, either, especially today. Either he's a liar, he isn't who he says he is, he's a lunatic, which means he's crazy, and who would follow a crazy person, or he is who he says he is, and, and he is Lord, and he does what he says he does. Last night, um, my daughter called me up from school and uh, making, uh, well, just a little leap here. It's not her, it wasn't her first contact with it, but I'm pretty sure that she's got a, a classmate where she's going to school that's a Mormon. So she starts asking me about, uh, she says, I know we went through this in confirmation class. She says, can you tell me a little bit more about about Mormons and what they believe? 
And uh, of course, uh, me, I have a tendency to cut right to the carotid artery right away. And uh, I just said to her, I said, well, let's basically look at it this way. It's how I said, it's how I said, Mormons look at Jesus different on who Jesus is much differently, not in, in, in exactly the exact opposite way as Christians. They look at him as one God among many. And then I said, uh, I said, maybe if this makes any sense, I said, uh, they view that the devil is Jesus' brother. Um, and I said, you know, and, and she goes, really? And she says, I, and then she goes, is that something new? And I said, no, I said, that's a Mormon's take on it. That's the Mormon's take on an old, old, old heresy called dualism, which basically says there's a good God and an evil God. Right. And, uh, and that, and so once again, when you look at that, when you see today, uh, how like the Mormons look at Jesus, he's a, he's one God among many. And they're, they, they're, they're, they look at, as God once was, we are as God now is, we may become. Um, and then you look at, uh, and then you look at, Jeho at, at Jehovah's Witnesses. They don't believe Jesus is God at all. They look at him as a perfect human being. Uh, they even get into the fact, they even try to stretch that he is Michael the Archangel. Right. Um, and, uh, but no, no, you know, no deity at all. Deity at all. And it, 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 then what's even amazing more so is that for, for decades, long before, America has has developed into such a pluralistic society that it is, and pluralist, pluralistic meaning accepting of many religions. Uh, that uh, that uh, many Christians view, uh, uh, and I'm not talking about ch Christian churches or denominations. Many Christians look, and even our government looks at Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses as as sects of the Christian Church. No, not in any way, shape, or form, and it comes down to their denials of Christ. Well, but I mean, even, and, and I would say that you have almost <clears throat> Jehovah's Witness and, and Mormons, uh, Church of Latter-day Saints, um, they are not sects of, of Christianity, but they are heresies of Christianity, which is exactly what, what Islam was considered, right? Um, way back in the early 160s, uh, thereafter, uh, I'm trying to remember when St. Jerome, uh, sat down, uh, not St. Jerome, uh, oh, John of, of, um, you know, who yeah, John of, yes, there you go. Um, and remember he wrote, he wrote that really Islam is a heresy, uh, as he was writing and, and, and really it spent from, um, their denial of who Christ is. Islam says Christ is a, is a prophet, um, second to Muhammad. Um, you have even Judaism that looks at that Jesus and says, well, yeah, he's a prophet. He was a good guy. Um, but none of them come to the point where, where they need to come, where scripture brings them and says, this is who Christ is. And so we have here with these reformers, um, with with the reformers as they have an opportunity, these Lutherans to explain what it is they believe, they embrace the historical confession, the scriptural confession of who Christ is, and 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 they say it very simply: He is God, who who took on right. Um, he he embodied right human flesh. 
Um, and, and so he is of, of one, one person, you know, but these two natures that, that flow into this. Uh, what an opportunity to talk about uh, something that is accepted by article of faith, right? We don't understand how it happened, but we know it happened. Um, we might not be able to say how it, how it is continued to be, but we know that God has said this is how it is um, through his word. This is who, who he is in Jesus Christ. I think it's a, a kind of a, a, a neat and interesting um, look at, at how we have split that, though. Um, many, many congregations view Jesus as, as they'll say, well, he is my Savior, but they really view him as a role model. Um, you know, sort of making it uh, less. Uh, back in the 90s, wasn't it, or so, uh, you know, the whole upswing of, of WWJD, you know, what would Jesus do? Um, as if that was the mantra that we could somehow be better if we just did what Jesus did. And, and I always, my response, it drove me nuts. My response to it always was, I'm not Jesus. I can't do what Jesus did. I mean, that was impossible for me to, I'm not God. I can't be perfect. I can't do what he did. Um, so it, it was a, it was a mantra that I never got behind. And, and, you know, well, you know, and, and on this thing, who Jesus is just, and, and here, maybe this is me trying to link the two articles that we're talking to today on who Jesus is, does this have an does this have an effect on the article that we're looking at here too about honoring the saints? Does how the Catholic Church view um, does how the Catholic Church view um, views Jesus, and maybe even throwing in that article of chief article of justification, does that maybe does that maybe affect? this article on honoring the saints. Well, I think it does in a little bit. And and I would advise that, please, dear listener, go and read Article 21 so that you can get an idea of what it is. Um, It's it's short. If you give me a chance here, I'll just read the first little four sentences of it here from the Book of Concord, and they can read the rest. But I think this this little part does uh, kind of teach us about this. it just says about the worship of saints, we teach this, that it is permitted to remind Christians about the lives of the saints so that we may follow their faith in good deeds in our own callings in life. For example, the emperor and David are both kings. Therefore, the emperor should follow the example of David in fighting to drive the Turks from, this ter- from his territory. But scripture does not teach us to pray to the saints or to ask their help. Instead, it teaches that the one Christ is our mediator, propitiation, high priest, and intercessor. We are to pray to him, and he has promised that he will hear our prayers. And this is the kind of worship of which he approves above all else, namely that we call upon him in all our troubles. If anybody does sin, we have one person who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, 1 John 2.1. And then there's it, it, go, it goes on, but those... It goes on. There's there's about twice as much, but that really summarizes a scriptural teaching 
about the saints. Well, absolutely. And I, I think it, it refers back down to, you know, we are we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, right? Uh, people yeah. who have run the race before us. And, and you know, maybe maybe those that great crowd of witnesses was your grandma your or your mother or your father um, or, or, you know, that, that one pastor who who really touched your life because he lived his Christian life and and shared his faith with you and, and those are good I'm not, I'm not I'm not downplaying those in any way shape or form I mean we look at to them and we say if I could be half the half the person my mother was or half the person my grandfather was um, you know and how they lived their faith that would be tremendous but what the difference is and and I think this is where where we need to draw that line is is that the Catholic Church has has elevated uh, the saints to the point where I can't approach God, I can't approach Jesus because he's too much God for us, right? He's too much God for us to approach, and so I have to approach somebody that would resonate with me and understand who I am better, and who better to do that than than the saints and especially Mary. I think that's where that comes from, is is yep. like is like when we would say, you know, kind of this idea of, hey, if you were, a, and I'm going to use you as an example, you know, and if your mom was still around, you know, if you were this highfalutin, you know, big wig uh, type of movie star or something like that, uh, people would be kind of afraid, you know, I'm a little trepidatious of going to talk with you, but but they see your mom there, right? And your mom's this down-to-earth person. She's just like everybody else. You know, I would go to her and say, hey, can I can I go and talk to your son? Can can you bring a message to him for me? And that's sort of what that that their understanding of this whole thing is. And, and really in the confessions, the Augsburg confession is that we're saying you don't need to do this. In fact, it's a sin to do this. Um, all you need is Jesus. He is us. He, he took on human flesh, so he is very approachable to us. Well, and, and even to take it back a little bit further, and this is bringing up, up to my memory many a spirited discussion around the greater Winsberger family Thanksgiving and dinner table growing up at my grandparents' I'd always say to my uncle that, you know, my uncle Ed, who he's, he's still alive. And if by chance he'd be listening to this, uncle Ed, I love you. I respect you, but I don't agree with you. But uh, it's this show me in scripture where it says that Mary can even hear us. Right. Well, that's something that we, and that's, that's talking about, you know, when we go to heaven, when we die and we go to our judgment, um, whether heaven or or hell, depending on believer or not, there's nothing in scripture that says that that they are looking down on us. Nothing in scripture that says that they are are they're they're rooting us on or going as an intermediary. I, I mean that that really is. I don't know if that's a modern thing that's crept into to this idea of faith, or if that's always been where they thought the these saints or these ancestors. And let's be clear that that is not uh, that 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 is a feeling that is not exclusive to to Catholics sitting in the pew. Oh no, that is that 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 is something that is prevalent among the feelings of many Lutherans, Baptists, you know, uh, non-denominationals. It's that my loved ones in heaven can see what I'm doing, and yeah, root me on, and they're rejoicing. There's nothing. In fact, Scripture says everything to the contrary. Well, isn't it almost pantheistic? 
in, in that idea um, that, 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 you know, the nature religions, our ancestors are watching over us and they're helping to guide and form all these things. And, and it's almost a pantheism, a natural lang- a natural religion um, that 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 is being seen here. And, and I think it's because we get comfortable and I'm not I'm not I'm not overtly criticizing you if, if this is something that you've kind of sort of fallen into to understand. I'm not trying to 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 make fun of you or anything, but but it's this reality that we get very comfortable, right? You know, they were our family, they were related to us, they they understood what it was like, so so we can go to them and we get very comfortable with this concept of of there's a there's somebody who can sort of buffer us from God. The best the best the best uh, illustration I've ever I've always I've ever given with this, and I always give this when if it comes up in a Bible study, talking personally with a fellow Christian is this: Why is it in our own feeble minds that okay, the only time we think about this stuff and that they're watching us is when it's at a birth, it's at a celebration, it's at a wedding, it's at all these good things, and we don't think about that when we're neck deep in sin and rebellion against God or when bad things are happening. Um, I've given this illustration so many times where, yeah, you know what? I think about my parents when wonderful things go on in my life. You know what? My Neither one of my parents got to meet my wonderful wife and my, and my children. Um, and I would like to think that they know that that's going on, but you know what? Can't say that. The one thing I do know is that uh, they do know that now that they're in heaven is that God is taking that God is taking care of me, and they have nothing to worry about with what's going on here because of His gracious provision and providence, and all of that stuff. They understand that perfectly, and so, and I'm going to tell you there are many things that have gone on in my life in the time that they have been gone. I don't want either one of them knowing about. Oh, absolutely. Because it would take away from their joy of heaven. But but think of it this way. Also, and, and, and you know, let's follow this illustration that you're painting to its final conclusion. I'm going to tell you a quick story. When I was when I was learning how to drive, um, you know, my dad was a postman in, in, in the city in which we lived, and, and he always knew what was going on. And, and that's because he was a postman, and everyone knew the postman. <clears throat> and I got pulled over. I got pulled over. I had just gotten my license. I got pulled over. The cop... Uh, city cop, he comes, takes my license, looks at my name, and uh, he just laughs. He, he goes, just laughs. <laughs> and I said, why are you laughing? And I said, I, I, I mean, you know, disrespect, but why are you laughing? He goes, I know your dad. And he says, I'm going to let you go home. I didn't get a write-up. I didn't get uh, – and, and, and I said, why is that? And he says, because anything I do would not even compare to what your father is going to do when you get home. Now, think about this, how you so beautifully painted that picture. You know, we always say, oh, our loved ones are looking down at us when we're doing all of these these wonderful things that we think are so great and glorious in life. Now, imagine how our lives are filled with majority of stupidity. That's really what it is. Our lives are, are filled with the majority of stupidity. And I know from the stories you've told of your mother that God would probably say, I'll let her handle it. Yeah. Because I would be treating you with more grace than she would. Because she yep. in heaven would be like, you are jeopardizing your spot up here. And by God, I'm not going to let that happen, you little snot. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes. 
And so thank the Lord our loved ones aren't up there going, you're going to jeopardize this. I will teach you a lesson so that you don't jeopardize this. <laughs> I, swear, I swear that you and I had the same father because I had a similar instance, except my dad was a part-time policeman and I got pulled over. It, you know, I got pulled over, showed my license, and he started laughing. And the first thing he said was, you poor S.O. <laughs> yes, I know. But, but I mean, here's the thing. And, and, and please, you know, we have been in the ministry. I'm, I'm pushing 11 years. And you're, what, 20, almost 30 now, right? Actually, 31. 31. There you go. So, I mean, we've, we've been in the ministry for a little bit. This isn't our first rodeo. I know when you are, when you're sad, I know when you go through a funeral, it, it is the natural tendency to say, you know, but our, our loved ones are looking down and they're, they're pleased with us. It, it, it's one of those things you say almost to make yourself feel better because you know that, that we need some hope and comfort, but what greater hope and comfort is there? And this is what the, the Augsburg confession is trying to say. What greater hope and comfort is there than knowing that our very Lord who came to, to take on human flesh to live perfectly in our place, to die for us and rise again, that same Lord is the one that that is defending us, right? He is the one that is is working for us. He is the one that is standing between the wrath of his father and us when we do those stupid things, which we do all the time. I, I like how how they mention not only for original guilt, but for actual sins. Um, yes. Not only for the stuff I was born with because, you know, I come from the mold of Adam and Eve who messed it up, but also the stuff I add to it every single day when I do stupid things. Um, you know, he died for that. He paid for that. Um, and, and, and he now stands as that mediator. He stands in between um, covering us so that, so that the brunt of our sin is not dealt, you know, Yes. Yeah. And, and I like that the fact that we're dwelling on the positive aspect of this. Uh, it's something I also want to throw in that probably here in the last two decades of, of my ministry, I've really appreciated. And I want, I want to say appreciate this. It's something I've gained an appreciation from my Missouri Synod, Missouri Synod counterparts. Um is actually looking at this great cloud of witnesses, these saints. And we remember that technically, biblically, the definition for a saint is a believer in Jesus. We are a saint. Every believer is a holy one because we our robes have been washed clean in the blood of the Lamb. And every, every believer carries the holiness of Christ upon us through faith. Um, that being said, uh, looking at the saints in, in the history of the, not only in the history of the church, and we're talking Old and New Testaments, um, it has really encouraged me um, to take a look at the lives of those Christians, um, to see, uh, to, to, and actually to be refreshed and even sometimes learn anew what these people did out of love for their savior. And I'll tell you, these really are uplifting, uplifting accounts and, and, and encouragements, just as the writer to the Hebrews says, these things were written 
at, as warnings and encouragements. Right. Well, and and and, I'll, and I agree with you. Missouri um, has really, in the last, like you said, two decades or so, really hit hard patristics, which is that study of of these early church fathers, these early church uh, people who lived their faith and 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 did these things. Um, and there is value to this. I mean, this is this is the this is the thing that is so beautiful within the Christian kingdom is that there's value. There's value to the lives that other brothers and sisters have lived, not in the sense that they are going to to stand as an intermediary for me uh, before my Lord, or that they're gonna they're gonna bring something to Jesus and say, "Hey, please don't forget so and so." But for the simple fact that you know what, I struggle. I don't know about you. I pretty much do know about you, but dear listener, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> dear listener, I don't know. I don't know where you are, but but we struggle, right? We struggle. We struggle with certain ways on how we can talk with people. We struggle with certain sins that that are uh, um, this things that keep cropping up, and and seeing how a brother in the Lord deals with it, or asking their opinion, or wa- reading about how they dealt with it is is a great comfort to help us in our own struggle, and and our own walk, and how we can live this way. You know, so much right now, especially in the in the culture and the environment that we're living in and now here um, as we're uh, especially in an election year. And I hear Christians and and, uh, and non-Christians, all sorts of American citizens talking about things, no matter what side of the issue you're on or what candidate you're you're, you're looking at to support. I've heard this time and time again. Uh, history is a big thing right now. And you hear people saying those who refuse to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. And and this is really something I kind of see that it, it, it with, uh, again, knowing, uh, learning about these previous Christians, the saints, these, these believers. Again, uh, that's really what the writer to the Hebrews tells us, but in a more positive way, right? Absolutely. Uh, Learn, these are things, these are, we look at these things to learn, to be encouraged and be warned. Right. And, and to be in, and, and <clears throat> the encouragement is that you're not the only one running the race. Sometimes we yep. internalize everything and say, I'm the only one suffering with this. Um, does that remind you of Elijah running away going, oh, woe is me, woe is me. I'm the only one left. <laughs> yeah. And the Lord has to remind him, no, you're not. So suck it up and get back to work. Um, and I, it, you know, my dad's famous saying to me growing up, as long as we're, and this is, again, it's something I pass on to my, my daughter hates me for this, but yet I know she will pass it on to her children. When I get like that, my dad would say to me, my ice cream's too cold. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. But you know, it was the same way out when, well, South Dakota, you were there and I was there for a while. You know, the summer was too hot, not enough rain. The winters were too cold and too much snow. Um, and then when you'd have rain, it was too much. And then when you didn't have it, it was never enough. And, and nothing was perfect. Nothing was great. Nothing was, was but that's just the way, that's, that's how we are. That's just how we are. Um, and so we have the Savior who who lives perfectly for us. You know, um, I can't imagine a person who didn't complain, and yet there is Jesus. Um, I can't imagine a person who who approached every situation perfectly and had the right answer for everything. And there's Jesus. Um, and and now he stands 
as he was meant to always stand as as the person who who is my savior protects me from the father um his father um because i am a sinner one of the other topics and i want to touch on it briefly because i think it's important and this is this is one of the things that it comes at the end um, when we talk about the roles of, of, and we try to split up between the, the persons of the deity, right? And we say, typically the father creator, and we say, uh, the son, the redeemer, and we say the spirit, uh, the sanctifier, right? Uh, he, he's the one that makes us holy. I, I, it, I think it bears a pause just briefly to, to really see what the confessions are saying from scripture, um, um, and, and listen to what he says. I mean, yeah, we, we see Jesus as the Redeemer, right? But but look at what he says. He sanctifies, he, that is in Jesus, sanctifies those who believe in him by sending the Holy Spirit into their hearts to rule, comfort, and make them alive. I, I kind of stopped there because it kind of turns up on its head Sometimes where where we live in this church, um, and, and recently, you know, you hear more and more. We don't give enough credit to the Holy Spirit. We don't give enough credit to 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 this third person of the Trinity. Or sometimes we we give too much credit to God, and we just say God all the time. God, 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 God. It's pretty clear. Not only is it in the third article, so right next to the beginning, but it's also very clear that really the focal point and center point isn't God the Father, and it isn't the Holy Spirit. It is. Jesus Christ. And and Jesus Christ is the pinnacle. God the Father is pointing to Jesus and the Holy Spirit is pointing to Jesus. And let's let us not forget what uh, again so that we don't uh, give the impression of any heresy here. Um again uh going to the to the Athanasian Creed which we've talked about already before in the podcast. Uh coequal um, we're not insinuated uh, again, but co-equal again. They're they're co-equal. Uh, the the uh, again they're separate and distinct, but they're co-equal in in everything. Absolutely. And, uh, uh, and once again, we could talk about this, and you get mind boggled on the whole aspect of the Trinity. But I'm glad you brought that up because. You know, once again, when you brought up, uh, you know, what I've heard people say, Pastor, we don't emphasize the Holy Spirit. Maybe this is another thing for another for another podcast. Um, I this it, it, I will say this unequivocally, take it to my grave firmly, and and God willing, with the same conviction of the reformer Martin Luther, that that that, that it, although there you didn't have a ton of denominations back then. But I believe that confessional Lutheranism emphasizes the Holy Spirit better, more distinctly, more clearly, and more often than any other denomination in Christianity. Absolutely, because every day we gather around his work. Yes. Because what is Word it that he does? Word and sacrament, the tools of the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. And, uh, confessional Lutheranism is the is the one denomination that has the best grasp on those things. Well, and and just remember what was the promise that that Jesus said, I'm going to send I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit who will remind you of everything that I have done. I mean, the the whole work every time you remember Jesus, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. Every, yes. every time you gather around and remember the cross of Christ, that's the Holy Spirit. Um, I used I used to, uh, for a short period of time, I dated a gal who was Pentecostal, and she 
would get furious when I told her that, Luth that Lutherans have a better grasp of the Holy Spirit than Pentecostals. Well, yeah, and and that, but that's that's because they like to highlight one thing over the other, right? They like to highlight that movement of the spirit instead of the reality. Yeah. Um, you know, it's one of those things where, <laughs> yeah, don't you wish that don't you know don't you wish fact checking was a thing back when we were in seminary? Uh, <laughs> because because I I could imagine all of our seminary profs saying, okay, this is a fact check. Here's what other everyone else says in the world, and let's open up your Bible. Um, so yep. <laughs> fact check for you. Um, and, and so here's the facts. The fact is everything revolves around, around the sun because that was God's plan of salvation. And, and so, so you're rooted yep. in Christ. And, and the, and the apostle John makes that point in the first chapter of his gospel in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was with the word was God. He was with God in the beginning, taking us back to Genesis one, one. And that, Basically, right there, that whole context, right there, it 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 it, it puts it all together. Absolutely, um, Christ living, uh, Christ active, working, um, uh, powerful uh, from from the from the from at least from the very from the very beginning of time and before. Absolutely. Uh, and now I, I think we've talked a lot about Jesus in this podcast, which, you know, I'm I'm always in favor of talking more about Jesus. Um, but before we 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 were coming up on our on our 50 minutes and we, we want to keep it to a, almost an hour. So we have about maybe 15 more minutes for a discussion. Um, let's not leave our listeners without any hope that that they are somehow unique in all of Christendom that they they find themselves attracted to the concept of of the saints uh, or or the concept of of you know their loved ones looking down on them. Um, maybe we can mention that there are portions or maybe share some light on on the portions of scripture um, where where we see the people of Israel struggled with that too uh, and the idea of of lifting up their forefathers um, as something more than what they were. I can think of a couple already on the top of my head. The Pharisees would yep. be would be one. Absolutely. Um, the Pharisees who got into so uh well here's one. And again, not to take anything but not to take anything away from Abraham. Um, but we're going to heaven because we're children of Abraham. Yep. And Jesus said God can raise up children from Abraham from these stones. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and that was the biggest one that I was thinking of right there where where and, and that was something that was in in the life of every single Israelite throughout the entirety of the Old Testament. Um, we are chosen because of Abraham, because of Isaac, because of Jacob. Um, because of those things, we are privileged and we can, um, you know, really they're, they're the ones that put in the work and we are the ones that reap the benefit. Um, and, and you see that as part of the, the, the worship of those saints. Um, and I wouldn't. I would maybe step back and say, in in their case, maybe it wasn't the worship of the saints, but it was drastic veneration of him, right? Well, you, and you not only had Abraham, you had uh, again during the time of Jesus, Abraham, and and Abraham was was venerated more than he should have been by 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 the majority of Jews. Another one was Elijah. Oh, sure, absolutely. Um, and uh, and Elijah being 
again, Elijah was one of the greatest prophets of, of Israel for the simple fact that uh, uh, the Lord demonstrated so much visible power through him. Um, and so because, and I think that was why, that was probably a reason that uh, the, the Jewish people got so sidetracked by the time of Jesus uh, because they wanted the Messiah to be a power-wielding, just, you know, a power-wielding threatener like Elijah was. Absolutely. Calling down the fire from, from heaven, right, to consume yep. uh, the, the altar. Yeah, and this is, so, I mean, yes, dear listener, and we're taking time to, to go through this. Our main topic is to, to look about and see Jesus um, and, and focus on Jesus. And to me, and on that point, the same thing was it's kind of it's kind of funny with that topic of Elijah. Um, when usually Elijah, that account, Old Testament account, is brought up is actually the Old Testament lesson for Jesus' ascension. Um, it's the traditional reading for that. Um, and actually, it's when Elijah's taken up into heaven. And what does Elisha say as Elijah is carried off? And you see. And, and he says, my father, my father, the chariot and horse, chariots and horses of Israel. He's not talking about the fiery horses and chariots. He's talking about Elijah and the reason and what the real chariot and what the real power of, of Israel was, was not Elijah, but the message, the message which focused on Christ. Right, right. That is that was the the. I mean, and, and and that is the chariot and horses, the tank, the atom bomb, the dynamite, the gospel of the Christian of, of the Christian. Well, and let's and let's let's just face it: the the people that we look at as as such wonderful people in our life are the people who brought that message to us. Yes. The, the, the people we look at in our life and we say they were most impactful, they brought that forgiveness that that message preaches and teaches and lives in us, to us. Those are the people that we look at and we say, I, I, I look at their life and I, I want to follow in their footsteps. But really what you're saying is I want to have my life permeated by that message, that it becomes a part of me too. Um, and, and that's And that's... That's the thing. My mom, my mom and dad are still with me, but but you know, my mom especially, she lived that message in her life. I mean, there were times that she made mistakes. There were times that she, you know, her language wasn't the best. She's human, and and but she lived that message of Christ, pointing me always to my Savior, to my forgiveness in Him. And and I, you know, if I can be half the parent that she she was for me, um, and is for me still, as she keeps me in her prayers, that would be amazing. Uh, for you, you know, um. The level of forgiveness your mother had is astounding. I mean, and 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 I can tell you that because you're still alive. <laughs> and and what a thing to emulate, right? What a thing to emulate. Um, I I think Megan is taking it easy on you. You don't you don't really have to work that hard. <laughs> no, I will. I I completely agree with that. Um, I tell my daughter that. Uh, um, and I thank her for that because I do not have, I, she, the, the, the Lord, the Lord has done a wonderful job on her. Um, 
and on her quelling her sinful nature. Um, I, you know, just long story short, I don't have to worry. I never had to worry about my daughter doing things in her high school age that I did. Um, so where my daughter, the Lord in his mercy um, actually gave me a lot of sleep-filled nights that I did not deserve. There you go. There you go. Once again, God's grace in action. Because if it was your mother, she would have said, send him something tough. Yes, yes, she would have. <laughs> no, in, fact, uh, in fact, some words that ring in my mind were, and I remind my wife of this too, things that my mother would say to her. You know, I think it's the curse of every mother that she speaks to her son or not, or it's not, it's actually not a curse. But my mom said, I, my mom used to say, I pity the woman that you're going to marry. There you go. The curse that actually comes from every mother or every parent is you're going to have a child just like right. you. And speaking of which you do, <laughs> I got three of them. <laughs> <laughs> so that Merley would have told you I must have been really bad. <laughs> I, I, I say this respectfully. Your daughters are quite, quite tamer than your son. Your son, your mother has to laugh at night, laugh, her, laugh herself to sleep whenever she thinks about Liam because he is you. Oh, no. My, my mom was just over this weekend. You know what her reaction was? Huh. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that that that's pretty much the reaction. Just yep. huh. Yep, I would say, and I can tell you that if my mother was here right now, she would give my daughter the biggest hug and look at me and say, You don't deserve her. Very yeah, yeah. And I can I yes, I can yes. agree with that. But you know what, dear dear listener, you know, um, those who have gone before us um, and those who, who are still walking in faith um, and, and that are our role models today, when they, are, when they enter in eternal glory, they don't have to worry about the, the crud that we have to deal with. Um, they don't have to worry about the sin that, that still plagues us. Um, the Lord has, has taken those things away, placed them on his son, and, and has given them a, a, the richest blessing of eternal life with him. Um, and so we don't have to be going to them and saying, uh, pray for us or put in a good word. They won't. They can't. They, they don't hear us. Um, but guess what? Jesus does. And he is defending us. And he has lived for us. And he is working for us to rule our hearts. He has provided and does provide the Holy Spirit through word and sacrament to live among us um, and within us to, to point us to what he has done, to remind us of everything that Christ has done for us. He is the one that deserves our praise. He is the one that deserves our prayers. Um, and I don't know how, other, uh, how to best say that in any other way. You can't, um, because really that, 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 that says it all. Um, you know, uh, it's, it's, you can't say it any better than scripture where it says, uh, um, actually it's the apostle John. We, uh, there's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. Um, and that, and that says it all. And, uh, our loved ones who, whom the Lord has taken before us into glory, they understand that perfectly. And so when it comes to, to those of us who are who are still remaining, they know that God's got it. 
Absolutely. And if he's got it, I don't have to worry about it. That's right. And that, um, I, think that, I think one of the wisest, one of the, actually probably one of the only wisest things I've said to people I've been charged to, to, uh, uh, to serve and had the privilege to serve. I had a, a man that was dying from cancer years ago and his wife, her health was not, he, he was her sole means of care really. Um, so he had cancer and he was dying and he sat down and he talked with me and he said, pastor, he says, I don't know. He says, I don't know what he says. I'm just cr going crazy here. He says, I don't know how my wife is going to make it with me gone. And I said to him, I said, Orville, I said, when you get to heaven, you're going to see and know God so well and know like we should know, like we should know now that, you know what, I'm going to tell, I said, Orville, you're not, you're not as in control here as you'd like to think of. When you get to heaven, you're going to realize God's taken better care of her than you ever did here and you'll be just yep. fine. And so will she. Yep. And you know, that's the, that's the blessing of, of recognizing that, that we are not the ruler, we're the ruled. And, um, and being ruled by a, by a Heavenly Father who's provided His Son, there's no better place to be. There just is no better place to be. Um, and I don't need anything else other than that. Um, where we're going, though, um, is, is, I mean, I just looked ahead in, the, in sort of the plan, unless we alter it. Um, I think there was 13 planned podcasts for this section, and we're three in, so that leaves 10 left. And I think next week uh, we get to talk about, well, the doctrine upon which the church stands or falls. I, I think next week we are we are going to hit hard the doctrine of justification um, and and talk about that uh, for for next week. Uh, do you have? Um, are you heading out for for your uh, district meeting? That is not until. Yeah, I am. Is that next week? Next Sunday is the 18th. I'm, uh, I'm just kind of all discombobulated here. Yeah, we have, we are going to be in Seward, Nebraska for the 20th, 21st, and 22nd of October. So, all right. God, so, God willing, unless there's, you know, so, so what I'm hearing is it's possible that the conversation on the on the on justification uh, might come out for our dear listeners as close as we can get it to the celebration of Reformation. Well, that or you know, yeah, yes, yes. I mean, because I'm thinking then we would be up, we'd be looking at uh, talk Monday the 26th would be. The next time I'm able to be with you, so there we go. So we're looking at, at talking to, about justification, uh, pretty close to to the celebration of the Reformation. Uh, so what a great opportunity it is to talk about that. So that also means next week you're stuck with me, um, and I'll come up with something to 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 kind of fill that space. Um, we we hope your district meeting goes well and that you're able to do it with this COVID nonsense. I'm looking forward to it because we actually have a whole bunch of. Uh, um, actually, we have a whole bunch of presentations that are circling around the Augsburg Confession and the article on justification. Awesome. That'll be a really good and worthwhile time. So yes. you can bring back some words of wisdom and share it with the rest of us, and and uh, we will learn at your yeah. feet. So God will. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you, Don, for your time. Dear listener, thank you for your time to listen to our our 
rattling nonsense as we we just kind of share our thoughts? Pastoral Appreciation Month. Uh, don't forget. I'm just kidding. We are privileged to serve. And uh, I've just done that as I joke around about that. I've always considered to be Pastoral Appreciation Month to be kind of a, a marketing type of thing for, for people to, to sell things. Um, you know what? It's, uh, it, it, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a reward. there's a reward in being a pastor all its own, and it's serving God's people. Absolutely. It is a privilege to serve, but uh, <clears throat> just to say every now and then a thank you goes a long way. And it's always appreciated. <laughs> and so with that, uh, have a wonderful, wonderful week, and we will be back with you um, as the week comes around again. <laughs>